Hi everyone, I'm Charlotte and I'm one of the pastors here at HTBB and I also lecture at St. Paul's Theological College. So nine months ago, I was in my final month of pregnancy and I would say that was one of the physically most uncomfortable moments of my life. For the first eight months of pregnancy, it was all sweet and rosy for me. Up until that final month, suddenly I developed this condition called the POP rash. According to Google, POP is a patch of itchy, hive-like bumps that form due to dryness that is caused by hormone changes. And it forms on your belly and spreads to other parts of your body when you're pregnant. And oh my goodness, it was unbearable. I was literally scratching 24-7 and it got even more itchy at night when I was trying to sleep. And needless to say, I inquired Mr. Google and also my gynae about it. And I was told that this condition will only go away after the baby comes out of me. But as a temporary measure, I can put on some moisturizing lotion to ease the dryness of the skin and to control the itchiness. And trust me, just in that final month alone, just to soothe the dryness, I have tried all sorts of lotion, all sorts of oils. When our skin feels itchy, feels dry, we will sensibly apply some moisturizers to nourish it. When our health feels dry and dull, we might also take some supplements to revive our body. And when our relationship feels dry, we might even take on some adventures to spice it up, to revitalize it a little bit. And it's true that we all have dry days or dry areas of our lives from time to time. I wonder today if you have any aspects of your life right now that maybe feel kind of dry, maybe a little bit dull, or maybe a little bit lifeless. It might be your spiritual life your relationships or friendships, your work situation, your health, or perhaps even the dreams you once had. Regardless of where that is, I believe that God wants to speak into your dryness today, for He has a wonderful promise waiting for you. Let us turn to our scripture for today, Ezekiel chapter 37. Today's passage requires a little bit of imagination. So if you will, try to envision this as I read it out loud. Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 1. The hand of the Lord was on me, and He brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones, which is dried human bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? Eh, this is weird. Why is God asking humans instead? And Ezekiel said, Sovereign Lord, you alone knew. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones, I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and these bones come together bone to bone. And I looked, 
and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then God said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, This is what the sovereign Lord says, Come, breath from the four winds and breathe into this lane that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say, Our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, This is what the sovereign Lord says, my people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and bring you up from them, I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. The vision that Ezekiel saw right here is a rather terrifying and hopeless one, as you can see from the picture right here. When he saw, what he saw was a valley filled with bones, countless dried and lifeless human bones scattered all around. Not only were these people dead, they were also disgraced, as their bodies did not receive proper burial. In ancient Israel, unburied bodies with exposed remains were actually a shocking disgrace to the dead. And furthermore, these bones were completely dried up, indicating that they had been dead for a really long time, dead for so long that one would give up hope that they will ever live again. It is almost like bones being dug up from the grave after many years. A scene that was not only disgraceful, but also somewhat terrifying. And when God showed this vision to the prophet Ezekiel, by this point, Ezekiel had already been exiled to a foreign land. It means that he was no longer in his own home country, no longer in Israel. Due to the Israelites' disobedience, God had handed them over to the hands of their enemies, the Babylonians. So what the Israelites were experiencing right now was an all-time low. Not only have they lost their home country, some of them have lost their loved ones and perhaps even losing all hope. So in verse 11, we see the Israelites crying out and they say, our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. And this truly reflects the condition of the Israelites at that time. Dry, hopeless, lifeless. And at this point, God said to Ezekiel, He asked Ezekiel, Can these bones live? Can these bones live? And I wonder if Ezekiel thought to himself, Well, you're God, why are you asking me? Perhaps a recently dead corpse can somehow be resuscitated, but these are scattered, detached bones. How might they live? But Ezekiel actually replied in a rather smart way, in a way that shows the only hope. He said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Though Ezekiel might not have much hope for these dry bones, but he did have hope in God. 
For he knew that if God so desires it, then these dry bones will come back to life again. But first, God doesn't want to take a selfie. He wants to take a wifi. So God wants a collaboration. He wants to collaborate with Ezekiel. In verse 4, God says, Ezekiel prophesied to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And in verse 9, God says again, Ezekiel prophesy to the breath. Let this breath breathe into the slain that they may live. Here, it is evident that God wants to collaborate with Ezekiel. Instead of God himself speaking these prophecies, he wants a human to speak them out. In the beginning, when God first created the world, God said, let there be light, and there was light. God said, let there be land, and there was land. So we know that God's words have the power to bring about life, have the power to bring about vitality. But over here specifically, God wanted Ezekiel to prophesy instead. He wanted Ezekiel to speak. He wanted humanity to open their mouths, to collaborate with him, to bring life into these dry places. Then in verse 7, Ezekiel says, So I prophesied as I was commanded. Ezekiel set aside his doubts. He spoke to the bones. It may actually seem kind of foolish to speak to a pile of dead bones, but Ezekiel obeyed anyway. He did what God commanded him to do, which is to prophesy. And to prophesy is to speak out God's word, to speak God's life-giving words. And that is our first point for today, to speak life-giving words. And God had already promised that when Ezekiel speak life-giving words, when Ezekiel speak these words into these bones, then in verse 5, God says, Then I will make my breath enter you, enter the dry bones, and you will come to life. The word for breath here in Hebrew is ruach, which means breath. It can also mean spirit. So when God says He will make breath enter the dry bones, in a way, He is also saying that He will blow His life-giving spirit into them. And this reminded us back in Genesis, when humans were first created, God also breathed His breath, His spirit into Adam. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostril the breath of life and the man became a living being. In other words, when we speak God's word, when we speak life-giving words, then God will make His breath enter us, causing the dry and the dead areas of our lives to come to life again. So how? How should we speak life-giving words? The first point is to speak it out. The second point is to pray it out. So, so speak, speak words that edify people, speak words that build people up, that, that is kind, that is uplifting. This may sound actually easier said than done, especially for people like myself who grew up influenced by the traditional Asian culture and upbringing. Sometimes speaking nice and pleasant words is definitely not second nature to me. For example, 
Growing up, we are taught that we have to be nice and polite to the outsiders because that is good manners, right? But when it comes to people that we are close to, maybe come to our own family members, our close friends, we might somehow feel that we can just be ourselves. That means we don't need to be so polite, don't need to say thank you all the time. And sometimes when we thank our family members or when we thank our parents, they might even reply with a, don't mention it. So I guess we're not supposed to mention it. We're not supposed to say thank you because we're a family. Well, looking back, I think like subconsciously, I've adopted this culture myself as well. Up until the point when I got married, what made me felt a little bit uneasy at first was that my husband, Elwin, would always praise me, would always say kind words to me, and he say thank you to me all the time. He would say, thank you for cooking for me, thank you for helping me with the dishes, thank you for ironing my clothes, and so on and so on. And at first, Honestly, I felt really uneasy about it because I wasn't used to all these thanking and all these kind words. Up until one day, I decided to ask him, why are you being so polite to me, thanking me a thousand times a day? And to my surprise, he replied that he wasn't trying to be polite. It was his way of cherishing me. It was his way of being grateful and his way of showing me love. And Actually, that took me some time to get used to this culture of speaking and receiving life-giving words all the time. But now, after three years of marriage, I realized that this is actually such a good culture to live in and to raise our child in. Because it is in this environment of life-giving words that I felt that all that I do is often noticed, all that I do is often cherished. And all these life-giving words naturally bring about life, bring about vitality into our marriage, into our parenting, and even into our ministries. I believe that when God asked Ezekiel to prophesy to these dry bones, to speak life-giving words, Ezekiel might have felt uneasy at first, maybe a little bit strange, but because he obeyed God, these dry bones became a living army. In verse 10, it says, So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them, and they came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. In addition to kind and edifying words, the word of God are the most powerful words that can bring about life. And there are many life-giving words in the Bible, actually. For example, in Jeremiah 29, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And in Romans 8, it says, For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, that nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here. Evidently, the Bible is full of words that bring about life. And when we read and meditate upon the Bible, we will realize that these words start popping up into our minds, especially when we really need them. And that is one of the ways the Holy Spirit uses these life-giving words of God to bring life into the dry areas of our lives. And perhaps today, we can learn from Ezekiel to intentionally speak 
life-giving words. Speak edifying words. Speak the Word of God into the dry areas of our lives, into our relationships, into our work situation, into our future, and even into the dream and the vision that God had once given us. And the second way of how we can speak life-giving words is to pray it out. Besides speaking it out, we can also pray it out. So the first time in verse 4, when God asked Ezekiel to prophesy to the bones, He is asking him to speak it out, speak it out into the dry and the dead. And the second time in verse 9, when God asked Ezekiel to prophesy to the breath, to the four winds, He is actually asking him to pray it out. Because essentially, He is speaking to the wind and only God has authority over the wind and the breath. So here, God is actually asking Him to pray it out and God shall act upon it. Speaking out God's word has its effectiveness, but here, it is praying that achieves the result. Only after Ezekiel had prophesied to the four winds, these bones actually began to live. When we pray, we are asking for the Spirit of God to perform the miracle of recreation, to breathe into man's nostril the breath of life once again. So what speaking by itself failed to achieve, prayer made it a reality. And here I would like to clarify that when we talk about speaking and praying life-giving words, we are not simply just practicing the power of positive thinking. That if we say we can, then we can. It's not just that. Because speaking and praying life-giving words actually have power because the Bible says that death and life are in the tongue, in the power of the tongue. So in a way, our words are a kind of spiritual discipline. Therefore, when we speak and pray God's words, regardless of how we feel at that moment, we are actually proclaiming God's promises. We are rehearsing the truth that we already know. We are re-articulating our faith in God. And this can bring about new life to the dry and to the dead. So, firstly, we can speak it out. Speak out life-giving words, speak out God's word. And secondly, we can pray it out. And when we learn from Ezekiel to speak out and pray out God's words and life-giving words into the dry areas of our lives, God had promised that He will collaborate with us. God says, And I will put my spirit in you and you will live. And then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it. This is the declaration of the Lord God. Although Ezekiel did not have the opportunity to see the fulfillment of this promise in his lifetime, it means that he did not get to witness God putting his spirit into his people. But God is still a faithful God. If God had spoken it, then he would have done it. So what happened is that 600 years after Ezekiel's time, Jesus Christ came. On the 50th day after Jesus' resurrection, we finally saw this promise being fulfilled. So two weeks ago, Mao shared about the Holy Spirit coming upon us during Pentecost and the impact it has on us. And this was exactly what happened in Acts chapter 2. So when the day of Pentecost came, 
They were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like a blowing wind, blowing of a violent wind, came from heaven and filled the whole house that they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began, they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And Peter, at this time, stood up with the eleven, and he raised his voice and addressed the crowd. He said, This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women. I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And those who accepted his message was baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Wow! The transformation that took place with the coming of the Holy Spirit. If what God had said in the book of Ezekiel was his promise, then what God did in the book of Acts was his fulfillment. That was His promise and this is His fulfillment. In Ezekiel, God had promised to put His Spirit within His people and 600 years later during the Pentecost, we finally witnessed the complete fulfillment of His promise where the Spirit rushed upon the people and brought about living transformation. His Spirit descended, filling the entire house like a mighty wind and rested on each one of them like fire. Everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. And today, we can also experience it again. On Pentecost, recreation happened. God brought upon new life, reviving what was dry, bringing to life what was dead. And God's children became alive again. And this was what our Heavenly Father originally had intended the first creation to be. And today, through the death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus from the cross, we continue to have access to the same Spirit. That means whenever we pray, Come, Holy Spirit, something powerful happens. Recreation happens. And God will breathe new life into us and into all whom we prayed for. And all of this happens so that you will know that I am the Lord, so that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This new life brought by God isn't just for us to enjoy. God wants to reveal Himself to us and through us so that the world may know that Jesus is God, so that the world may also call upon His name and be saved. And I wonder today, if you have any aspects of your life right now that maybe feel kind of dry, maybe a little bit lifeless, or in need of a revival. Maybe it is your relationship with a certain someone. Maybe it is in your work situation. Or perhaps it is in a dream that you once had that you have neglected since then. 
just as God had promised to breathe life and His Spirit into His children, and just as He had done it during Pentecost, He can do it again today. 40 years ago, Bishop Chuban It, he was consecrated as the first local bishop of the Church of Singapore, of the Anglican Church of Singapore. And this was shortly after Malaysia and Singapore had gained independence, which, which actually had forced many foreign missionaries to return to their home countries. So during that time, not only was Bishop Chiu the Bishop of Singapore, he was also the chairman of the East Asia Christian Conference and that of the Council of the Church of East Asia. So Bishop Chiu shared in an address that even though the world probably thought that he was the top dog then, but he knew himself to be the most useless Christian there was because with all these positions, but there was nothing he could do. Not only was the church in a very poor situation, but it was also not growing. He had tried all sorts of ways to make the church grow, but they have all failed. So one day, Bishop Chu decided to go to Bangkok for a conference, and there he met an Indian Anglican priest who couldn't stop telling him about the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit. At that point, Bishop Chu thought that the conversation was a little bit pointless because he thought, okay, the early church probably need all these ministries of healing, the ministry of speaking in tongues, and so on to get started. But now that they have so many different faculties of languages all over the world, we probably don't need it anymore. So he also thought to himself, who is this young man anyway? He's a priest and I am a bishop. He only had his theological education in New Zealand, while I had mine in one of the best universities of the world in Cambridge. So clearly, everything he said went in one ear and out the other. And bishop just wasn't listening to him at all. And after the Indian priest had finished sharing, he suddenly asked him, bishop, I have got two books which I would like to lend to you. One is The Revival in Indonesia, and another one is Nine O'Clock in the Morning by Dennis Bennett. You can read it because it's written by an Anglican. So Bishop thought to himself, if it is written by an Anglican, then it can't be too bad. So one day, after reading these books about the workings of the Holy Spirit, so Bishop actually didn't believe anything that was written at all. Like what, what it was said, he didn't believe at all. But the more he read, somehow conviction arose inside of him. Because what this man was writing, he was really writing something that was happening inside the church. And he was writing about how the Holy Spirit can transform people and bring about life. So after finished reading these books, our Bishop decided that he would take a nap before continuing his day. And before his siesta, he just only prayed this one line. He said, Lord, if you can fill this altar with your Holy Spirit, can you please do the same for me? He said it simply without expecting anything. But when he woke up from his nap, he knew that something had happened. To his surprise, instead of being depressed as he was, he suddenly felt a joy that he couldn't understand. He said to himself, something's gone wrong with me. I must go and find this Indian priest again who lent me this book. So to make the long story short, since that experience of being filled by the Holy Spirit, God showed Bishop many different wonderful things in many different various ways, different, uh, including through his own prayer, where he personally witnessed 
deaf regaining his hearing, the asthma one being healed, the migraine one being cured, and so on and so on. In his sharing, he said, the Holy Spirit is not only a doctrine. He is a real person. He is among us today and He wants to meet you. He wants to use you to bring the good news to others, not just by speaking, but by acting, by praying with others. I am no longer surprised. I am only amazed at what God does and what He can do. Only the Holy Spirit can do such work. Only the Holy Spirit can bring about such transformation and new life into the dry areas of our lives, into the dry areas of the church. When we speak God's words and proclaim the good news of Jesus, we can expect that God will call forth His Holy Spirit to perform His miracles and wonders so that the dried may be revived and the dead may receive life. Shall we all pray together? I shall pray this simple prayer of come Holy Spirit and we'll spend a few minutes in silence and wait for the Spirit of the Lord to come and fill us once again. Let us pray. Come Holy Spirit. Maybe today among us, some of us who are listening to this message right now, you are going through a really dry patch of life. And perhaps some of you is on the verge of giving up. You've tried all sorts of ways and you don't quite know what else you can do about it. I feel that today, God is here with you. He would like to breathe His Spirit into these dry areas of your life whether it is a struggle with mental health, whether it is a struggle with a financial situation or with a work situation or with a family dispute, whatever it is, when the Spirit comes upon you, there is hope. There is new life. If that is you, I would like to encourage you to scan this QR code right here so that we can pray with you so that we can pray along with you throughout the week. Perhaps some of you is your first time hearing about the Spirit of the Lord or, or you have never accepted Jesus into your life before. If it's your first time and you would like to experience this new life that He can breathe into you, I'd like to encourage you to that you don't have to wait anymore. Maybe today is the day that God would like to come into your life, bring about His Spirit, bring about new life, and bring this transformation that you have been searching for. If that is you, I'd like to encourage you to pray along this simple prayer with me. Shall we pray together right now? Dear Father, I'm sorry for the things that I have done in the past. Please forgive me. Thank you for dying on the cross for me, Jesus. Come into my life and give me your Holy Spirit so that I may live a new life for you. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And I also sense that we might have some of us right here uh, who may have a dream that is dead. So perhaps there is this dream or a vision that God had given you may, maybe many years ago. And today, as you listen to this message, you feel that God is reminding you of it once again. And if that is you, I like to say that it's not by coincidence that God is reminding you once again. Perhaps He would like to revive your dream. Perhaps He would like to bring this vision back to life again. And if that is you, we would also like to pray with you. And we pray, come Holy Spirit. Lord, please, please bring about new life. Bring about life to the dry areas of our life. Whether it is in a relationship, whether it is in our spiritual walk with you, whether it is in a dream. And we pray that you do only what you can do. Come by your powerful wind. Come by your powerful fire. And feel us right now. Let us continue this time of prayer as we go into a time of worship. Da, da, da.